Hello and welcome to another edition of We Ain't Got No Podcast. Jay Wilmington here, joined once again by Julian Bravo. And Julian, we're we're back from the World Cup and we're officially post-Christmas too. Merry Christmas, my friend. Yeah, Merry Christmas right back to you. And nothing is a better Christmas presence than having Chelsea back. That's the thing I'm most excited about. That was something that, uh, as much fun as I had throughout the World Cup, it was a question I got a lot from people that, you know, I always find it fascinating that there's so many um, kind of, mm, well, just the general populace at large here in America, maybe not super dialed into European soccer, or even really the MLS. Um, but the World Cup, it's almost like compared to the Olympics over here, where kind of suddenly you're, everybody's involved and they're all kind of, uh, they may not know a lot, but they're super engaged and really passionate. Um, and so I got a lot of questions about, man, you must be the most excited person ever about the World Cup. It's like, uh, not to be a downer, but I, it means we don't get to watch Chelsea for over a month. And so while that may have been a good thing, given where Chelsea was when we left for the World Cup, I got to tell you, Joanne, I'm, I'm excited to be back. And I think Christmas is, uh, it, it's, it's apropos here, because I think Chelsea got uh, some presents under the tree here with, uh, with some fine performances from some individuals. They also got three points and a clean sheet. But maybe a little bit of lump of coal in their stocking as well, because Reese James ends up injured, and I think that's going to be one of our, our main talking points here today, Julian. But, you know, how did you feel just kind of going into this match? I mean, for me, it was trying to kind of get my mind wrapped around the two sides of the excitement of being back from the World Cup, getting to see Chelsea again, and then also kind of reminding myself how kind of dire things had been when we actually left for the World Cup. Well, it was definitely a nice, fresh start, and I appreciated not having a very rough fixture to start with. So Bournemouth at home on paper, in theory, should always be three points, especially if we're performing to the best of our abilities. My main thinking going into this match was, what kind of 11 are we going to see? Which players are going to be fully fit and ready to play? And I think one of the benefits of not having a lot of players go very deep into the World Cup is we had a lot of players that were going to be fresh. So we were able to see what was a pretty strong 11 from us, maybe one of our best 11s. So I had a lot of optimism going into the match just because this was a chance for us to maybe get back on track without all the bad form going into the World Cup. You and I are often texting pre-match kind of as the starting 11 comes out on what our thoughts are there, but I was particularly intrigued today, kind of from what you said, you know, kind of, we, we, having potentially some some health back in this team with uh, particularly Reese James as the standout there, but also not quite sure where we're at with guys returning at different times from their World Cup ventures. Some of those players ready to roll and in the starting lineup, players like, you know, Mason Mount, Christian Pulisic, Raheem Sterling. Of course, he left the England camp early, but, uh, you know, others like Mateo Kovacic still not going to be part quite yet. So so kind of interesting for Chelsea, and I guess we'll get to it there, Julian. Uh, you know, was that was that starting 11 seemed a little bit kind of almost like a 4-2-3-1 for from Graham Potter. I think that is a conversation that is always um, pretty flexible because Potter kind of, by, you know, by admission himself isn't, uh, you know, the, these formations are pretty flexible from from defense and attack. But we had Reese James and Kukureya at the at the fullbacks and Koulibaly and Tiago Silva in front of Kepa. Aretha Balaga, who had been in pretty good form before we left, um, you know, Mendy, maybe not so much, although I still think there's a, you know, nobody quite trusts Kepa all the way yet, and maybe rightly so. To me, the real interesting guy in this front starting 11 was uh, Dennis Zakaria, the Swiss international who had scored in the Champions League for Chelsea, but had seen really sparing minutes before the World Cup. He joined Jorginho in the two-man midfield, and then kind of that three-man band in front of the, that 
the up there, uh, you saw Pulisic on the left side, Raheem Sterling and Mason Mount kind of playing in front of Zakaria and Jorginho, and then Kai Havertz in that role up front with, you know, getting the start over Aubameyang. And, you know, Julian, I don't know, what was that what stood out to you that, that, that Zakaria got the start, or were you kind of, uh, I don't know, anything else stood out? I think every Chelsea supporter's eyes are immediately going to be drawn to seeing Reese James's name back in the lineup because that was a huge boost for us and going to be one of the biggest talking points probably throughout this. But obviously Zakaria was right there as well. I had a little bit of optimism. So we've heard a lot of negativity about his signing, but at the same time, sometimes we just need a player that fits something that we don't have in the team. And we don't really have a player like Zakaria. So at the very least, it was going to be interesting to see what happens if we put a player that is definitely a lot more defensive-minded than a lot of the other players that we do have in what's supposed to be considered a similar position. It was interesting. You can kind of tell that Chelsea's still getting back to full strength as they're you know, getting, getting going post-World Cup. No easier way to tell than on the bench where Bashim Humphreys, uh, Carney Chukwameka, Lewis Hall, Amari Hutchison were all there on the bench um, joining some more experienced Chelsea players as well. But yeah, Julian, it's a great point on Reese James. And we talked about, you know, when Graham, when Graham Potter first took over from Thomas Tuchel and, you know, he got off to a really strong run of games. And I think a big reason that was is that Reese James was playing so well and you know, it was such a focal point of everything Chelsea was doing. And, you know, we talked about it at the time that there was a sense of, man, they better protect this guy because he's so important to what they do. It, it may look really different without him. And I think that that is what we saw while Dries James was out injured. And so, you know, absolutely fantastic to see him back in the lineup, or at least to start out today. Uh, and, and and it was also nice, Julian, I thought just the, just the opening 10, 15, 20 minutes of that match. I mean, one of the hard things for Chelsea that was just been so so difficult they've talked we've talked ad nauseum about the scoring woes and just not being able to finish any chances coming in in the in in the Premier League you know prior to today through 14 matches played um I believe Chelsea only had 18 uh you know goals and 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 just really really struggling to produce anything and finally and especially in the first halves I think going back in seven matches prior to today they'd only scored one first half goal and yet Chelsea looked really bright from the off. Um, I think just were able to dominate possession. I think particularly for me down the right side and unsurprisingly, you know, Reese James and uh, Raheem Sterling, I thought were combining well early and creating some good chances for Chelsea. Yes. And I think one thing that may have been overlooked is at Potter's initial start with the club, he was doing a very good job of getting us to attack a lot, especially early in the matches. So this reminded me of maybe some of his earlier matches with the club because we did have a lot of possession. We did create a lot of opportunities, but better yet, we were able to put a couple of those opportunities away. Now, yes, we're immediately going to be drawn to the players on the right-hand side, and you can immediately start to think that it was Reese James' presence that might have influenced that. But Reese James, he was a little rusty, didn't necessarily provide his best performance. He he looked good, but not the typical Reese James that we are known to have. If anything, I could say as being the most important thing I noticed right from the start is that Mason Mountain appears to be rested. And I'm starting to wonder if maybe the key to the team is having a fit and rested Mason Mount because he was very influential in a lot of the things that happened for us, especially early in the match. 
it's one of the things we can talk about, you know, some other time about how that how he's going to be impacted by the, you know, eventually bringing in Christopher and Kunku this summer, because I think they share a lot of similar traits. I think they can play well together. But you're right, Julian. You know, we've seen it time and time again that when Mason Mount is fresh and, you know, not injured and he's not just playing, you know, 90 minutes every three days, that he is just his energy and his class on the ball is, is just uh, such a huge, huge spark for Chelsea. And, you know, it only took 16 minutes for Chelsea to get off the board. And it was Kai Havertz. And it was a beautiful pass, I think, from Raheem Sterling. You know, we looking maybe for a little more goal output from Raheem Sterling. But, man, it was nice to see him uh, with such a great goal contribution just 16 minutes in. And uh, it's Sterling with a, with a long crossfield pass. And, and Havertz has to kind of get across the box and slide. Good finish there, I think. You know, the keeper's able to get a touch, but really no chance from close range. And uh, just... You know, you could feel a little bit of that relief in Stamford Bridge. Again, I think Chelsea's seen so many times where they're able to knock on the door time and time again. But to be just 20 minutes in, Julian, I think you could almost feel uh, the atmosphere change after that first goal. You got a lot of the best from a lot of these players. So that's one of Mason Mount's best abilities is creating these sort of chances right from the start. So his pass into Raheem Sterling was really nice in itself. And then I said that the thing I expected to get from Raheem Sterling the most this season was creating some opportunities. So that was Raheem Sterling at his best as well. So we got some really nice work from both of them. And I think one thing that's been a little overlooked is Kai Havertz has looks like he's been on a mission ever since Germany was eliminated from the World Cup. I hope all of us saw the photo of him winning his Man of the Match award and looking very displeased after Germany's elimination. But since then, his preseason performances, or I guess you can call them his training warm-up performances for the season to start again, have been exceptional. I know they've been behind closed doors, but you've looked at the numbers and been like, he's scoring quite a few goals. So it seems like Kai Havertz might be finally starting to find some good form. And if we can just keep supplying him, then I think maybe we might finally get him rolling a little bit more regularly. I think one of the things we've talked about, you know, what what Havertz, the best version of Havertz can bring is not only the ability to be a consistent goal scorer up front, but also somebody, you know, that just provides all kinds of different things. He can pass the ball well. He sees the ball game well. You know, he if, he's, you know, maybe a little skinny, but he's a tall guy and he can hold the ball up pretty well. And, you know, he did something else really well uh, eight minutes after his goal as he gets an assist finding Mason Mount Zakaria, Zakaria, which I thought this was kind of a prototypical uh, play of of just kind of surmise Zakaria's day where he had, he made a good athletic run into the box, but he was also just kind of completely over his skis and out of control. Couldn't maintain the ball to get a shot off, but he is able to kind of shield the ball and 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 flick it over to Havertz. And Haver, Havertz just did a really good, patient job on the edge of the box rather than having his head down and getting panicked and trying to get a shot off. He realizes he has time and sees Mason Mount right at the top of the box, who's just waiting on the ball, showing where he needs it laid to take that shot with with his right foot and, and just well done. You know, that's just kind of like a training drill, almost just a simple pass for a setup that, you know, mount with a beautiful curler into the far corner, but it's just, you know, it, it may seem like a training ground exercise, but just something that you don't see pulled off in matches very often that smoothly. And uh, again, credit to Mason Mount with an absolutely gorgeous finish. I think if anything, that finish is slightly underrated because if you look at the highlights, the goalkeeper was coming nowhere near that shot. Absolutely nowhere near. And that's one thing I love to give uh, Mason Mountain credit for is sometimes he is a really impressive finisher. And it didn't 
help the goalkeeper that there were a lot of players in the way and that's obstructed his vision. Nonetheless, credits to a lot of the guys that helped create that opportunity. And of course, our, you know, stalwart sometimes Mason Mounts finishing that opportunity. And Chelsea really continued to keep the thread on, you know, maybe not finding that finding that third goal, but really being up 2-0 and maintaining that pressure, I think it really suddenly felt like Chelsea wasn't just one mistake or one bad break away from, you know, this match turning on its head. Uh, you know, standing out to me kind of the rest of the first first half, I thought, you know, I, Pulisic, I thought, just kind of couldn't really get going in the match. I think he tried to over on the left side, but, you know, I brought it up before. I think that, you know, even, even while he played pretty well for the U.S. at the World Cup, I think that he's a player that uh, generally really needs the game to run through him and to be so heavily involved and have a really high touch rate. And, you know, I just he's just not good enough to be able to demand that kind of usage rate at Chelsea, and, you know, not very many many guys are. Um, another player I think that, that I thought was, was pretty good was, was Kukurea. I think just generally being pretty quick in his thought process, both, um, releasing, releasing pressure from the back, um, but also making some good, uh, quick clearances. Um, I, I don't know, Julian, what, what else kind of stood out to you in the first half? I thought, you know, it was a little scary. Tiago Silva momentarily looked like he might've picked up an injury, but he was able to play through it and kind of, kind of walk it off and, uh, you know, I, I guess the one other talking point for me was kind of the, the the match official and how he started to impact this match, which, you know, he just, just wasn't very good. But specifically, I wanted to ask you about that third goal that was called off. Christian Pulisic kind of at the end of a crazy passage of play where you've got uh, Newcastle and Philip Billing, excuse me, Bournemouth and, and Philip Billing arguing for uh, wanting a penalty on one end and then Chelsea breaking the other way and Havertz kind of colliding in the box, setting up Pulisic to sweep home before this all being called off. Wow, what was what? where did you stand on that whole play, Julian? Oh, I couldn't agree with you more that the ref wasn't great. It's one of those things where it's good that we didn't give the ref an opportunity to spoil this match for us. But I think one thing we actually didn't mention was the shirt pull on Christian Pulisic, which happened earlier. And that one, I, I have a very hard time usually saying that we were wronged and not given a penalty. That one, I actually felt like was a penalty, mostly because of how blatant the shirt pull actually was. And I do think it did impact Pulisic's opportunity to score there. So I felt that maybe that one should have been given as a penalty. As far as the other call goes, that one I'm a little less confident on. I looked at it a couple of times, and I think that it's... How do I say this? Uh, it, It looks like it was slightly incidental. And I heard the match commentators say that it looked like Havertz did push him. It just looked like their feet got caught up and then the opportunity came and that impacted the outcome. But I don't know. I'm fine with neither of them being given at the penalty. And maybe I feel that way because we ended up winning the match. But if anything, I feel like the shirt pull was actually a bigger shout for a penalty. Yeah, it was such a strange play to me, and I thought the one with Havertz, uh, the collision in the box, I, I just don't think that, I think it's a no foul call anywhere else on the pitch, but when it literally sort of ends up with the ball sitting still at, you know, 10 yards out for Pulisic to just kind of tap home, it, it just felt like it had to get a whistle. Uh, I, I don't know, like I said, I wasn't I wasn't too hung up on that one, you know, again, I think one of the comments that the match official had too about the billing incident was almost that 
you know, that probably would have stood as a penalty, VRL would not have overturned it. So, again, I, I just maybe not anything too much for either side to complain. And ultimately, Chelsea finished the half on a really bright spot as James was denied by Travers right just a minute before uh, Raheem Sterling was found on the right side, and he drilled a hard shot high that Travers was able to tip, to tip over. And, you know, Chelsea went to the break with a well, well-deserved 2-0 lead, and I think that, you know, wasn't a big surprise to see Bournemouth start the second half with a substitution. Jack Stacy coming off for Jaden Anthony. Anthony, I thought, who, you know, comported himself pretty well there in his 45 minutes in the second half. Uh, but the big, I think the other, you know, besides the three points in the win, we've alluded to it a couple times, the big talking point comes just seven minutes into the second half when we see Reese James gesturing to the bench that he that he needs to come off. And, and just, you know, you're just crossing your fingers desperately hoping that he's not just reaching for you know his knee and of course it's right there in the same area that he's had all these issues and um, Julian you know he was able to walk off the pitch I think I heard you know I I, whether or not it's confirm it I I haven't seen anything official but heard that he had left the stadium on crutches and so or or in a brace excuse me and so you know just overall that's really disheartening I think for Chelsea and all this excitement enthusiasm coming back that we all know that you know uh, you know, of, of course, it's hard enough on the team, but also just how much you feel for the person and this guy who's worked back through various injuries and, you know, able to kind of, had to miss out on his whole World Cup and now to finally get to play football again and, and have it's just it's pretty heartbreaking in a lot of ways. And I do believe I read in the post match that grandfather confirmed it was around the same area that his previous injury had been, which is, of course, going to be very concerning. I think if there's any small silver lining to this is that we do have the transfer window coming up. So maybe if this is something that is a significant injury, we can find a, even if it's a temporary replacement, a suitable replacement, because I, I don't want to just start talking over Reese James' injury. I think, unfortunately, we've had too many opportunities to discuss his health and fitness, and we have emphasized and highlighted how important he is. I don't think we need to go over that any more than we've already said. It's one of those things where if this is a problem again, we already need to start looking towards the future because I was looking at, I was trying to think of what we could discuss about the second half, and we didn't look as good in the second half, and it could be as simple as we were up two goals, we didn't need to push this, and we didn't need to try to get a third sort of thing. Or we could say Reese James's presence is really just that important because it causes a lot of other teams to have to account for that, his attacking ability, and just how much he adds to the rest of the team. And that could be why such a swap could have a huge impact on the overall play of the team. So that's just kind of the way I looked at the second half is I don't want this to be this simple where Chelsea are good only because we have Reese James. And when we don't have Reese James, the entire team kind of falls apart because that makes the entire team very fragile. Yeah. And no matter how good a player you have that you build around in that way, it's just not sustainable because, it, you know, just as we see here for any player, you're just one injury away from things being, you know, being very different. And I think they were, I think it's something that Chelsea was already very interested in pursuing here in the, transfer market in January is at least, you know, somebody that probably wouldn't be a, a expecting to start a bunch of matches because if James is healthy, he's starting every match, but somebody that at least is a competent backup because we have seen that there will be opportunity there. Hopefully not as much as it looks like there might be going forward. Um, we'll wait and see on kind of the severity of, of this injury, but um, you know, def- definitely disheartening. Um, and, and, you know, we talk about it all the time too, that you're just your ability to bring in 
competent options in a January window isn't always very good. So you either have to super overpay or you have to, you know, accept that you're not going to get the quality of player that you're, that you really are looking for um, most of the time. Plus just then betting players in, in such a short amount of time. And I think even more so I'm fascinated how the January window will, will be this time because we're going to see some pretty big players come into the Premier League, um, you know, the World Cup teams had a lot of time to kind of think about what they wanted to do here in January. They also had some auditions from players at the World Cup to kind of get chances to, to make some moves. I think Hakeem Ziyech would be a prime example of that. But I also think with this super condensed second half or really second two-thirds of the season coming up that, you know, there, there's going to be even less time. to. There's going to be a lot of matches. You're going to need uh, uh, squad depth, but you're also not going to have much practice time to actually let these players bet in. So it'll be a little bit interesting. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, a, a little bit more about some of the dealings we think Chelsea ha- has done and, and, and is still planning to do. Um, and, you know, I thought, Julian, that, that – you know, first 15 minutes of the second half, even even for the first five, 10 minutes after James left, that Chelsea were okay, created a few created a few chances. But I, just the final half hour of the match, and, you know, I thought just some of the, I don't know, whether whether it was Bournemouth just finally getting a little bit of possession and, and finding a little bit of, of continuity in the match maybe, and Chelsea just taking their foot off the gas, I guess. But, yeah, that's, that's definitely the optimistic way to look at it because I think the other thing, it's pretty clear when you look, at the minute that Reese Re- James comes out of the match, and then when Bournemouth start kind of getting a foothold in the second half, they're they're very closely linked. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's hard for me to just say that you know that 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 wasn't a big part. I do think that you made a good point that as good as James was, I do think he you know you could, you saw he had a little rust as well. So, uh, it would be totally unfair to take away from some of the performances of other players who played really well in, independent of Reese James like Havertz and, and Mount, but I, I just man, there's 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 a reason why Stanford Bridge was still a little deflated following such a big three points in a return after the after the Christmas holiday. Um, you know, Julian, what do you think about Kepa in this match? I thought that he played uh you know, decently well. I didn't think that he was really challenged too much, uh, but, but you know, he kind of, he, for the most part, made the right choices, and I, it didn't necessarily give me any heart-and-mouth moments like he is sometimes prone to. He looks very confident and assertive, and whether or not he actually means that or if he's faking it, it doesn't matter because at least he's giving off the impression that he has everything under control and knows what he's doing. So I don't think he put a single foot wrong in this game. He looked assured the entire time. There were a couple of passes from him I liked, so I don't have any issue or grievance with him if he continues to play with the impression that he's very confident, then I think that's all we can ask for at this moment. I think the other thing that, you know, Chelsea brings on two subs, kind of, you know, Gallagher comes on for Zakaria. Gallagher did get one decent chance on our counterattack. Ultimately, his shot was blocked. Um, but Chalobuf came on with just a few minutes left for Sterling. And, and again, the, the kind of breakup and play between fouls and substitutions, I thought some really poor match officiating. Um, you know, I thought that added to a little bit to just kind of the lack of flow in this second half of this match, which, you know, when it was flowing, everything was going in Chelsea's favor. So while I don't think it was a bad thing for them to break up the f- play a little bit with a two-goal lead, I also thought mostly it just was a disservice to them because it, you know, was able to, to kind of, steal their own momentum and give and just give Bournemouth the ball a little bit more. Um, you know, but all th- I think I think outside of the injury Julian for me, um there's just not a lot that I'm going to complain about because I just think that it would be 
Um, I, I don't know. I just, I just think it's getting a little nitpicky if there's too much complaint today after the way we left things prior to the World Cup and the way to come back and have, you know, your first your first win. It's a little exaggerated. I saw some of the things, you know, when it's like the first win in 70-some days or whatever. Obviously, they didn't play for 40 days, so that's in there. But still, uh, it had been like over a month of, of actual playtime without a win in the, in the league, and so... This is this feels really good, and with some of the matches coming up for Chelsea, I think there's a window here maybe to get things on track. They play Nottingham Forest on New Year's Day um, away, but you know Nottingham Forest looked pretty bad today. They're they're a team that's been quite a bit better at home, but who isn't? Uh, they got rocked by Man U today, uh, and then we have back to back matches with City. Of course, I don't think we'd probably expect to win those, although who knows who will play in that FA Cup just three days after the first time we play them. Um, and then there's kind of a run there, you know, at least with Fulham and Crystal Palace, where hopefully we can get a few more wins. So, I, I you know, this is going to be a very interesting time because suddenly, you know, this thing's been in hibernation and it's going to get um, off to a off to a blast here because, as we saw today, we'll have the, the matches start to pick up. But also this January, I think, transfer window um, is going to be very active. Um, what are your thoughts kind of outside the the James injury and, and how Chelsea kind of uses today to, to build something kind of in the immediate future going forward? You're right. There shouldn't be too much we can complain about. I always say any three points is a good three points. So in this case, I'm very happy with the results, especially given the poor run of form we had going into this match. There are some things I still don't necessarily like about the team, and I will have to unfortunately point out that I still have some reservations about Koulibaly. He doesn't always look the most confident and composed on the ball. There were a couple of passes that I wasn't too enthusiastic about, and given that that's been a consistent theme since the start of his Chelsea career, I don't know if it's something that's going to be fixed anytime soon, and I think that that's one area that needs the most upgrade in this club, and obviously Fafana being out is a huge impact on that, but that's one thing that does concern me, and it will probably concern me for a little while longer. This is one of those games I felt like we had to win. The amount of class between us and Bournemouth, with no disrespect to Bournemouth, should at least provide us with a 2-0 victory, assuming all of our players are as well-rested as they are. And lucky for us, Mason Mount didn't play as long and as far into the World Cup as he did, and he was even you know benched for a little bit, too. So we didn't have to worry about some of our better players being too tired and it's one of those things where once they may get a little bit more wear on them, it could just start going back to the way it was because nothing in this match necessarily showed us that we've really improved. If anything, it's just said we're still capable of the status quo that we had beforehand. So I'm looking at a little bit of the negatives. I'm not taking anything away from the slight positives that we did have in this match because there isn't too much at the end of the day you can take away from this match particularly we're going to know a lot more about how good this team is going to be in the future, maybe from another run of like four or five games, including those Manchester City games. I said I wouldn't be nitpicky, but I'm going to go back on what I said just slightly because, it, it, you know, one thing that did stand out to me, I brought it up that it was a big deal for Chelsea to get two, you know, pretty early first half goals in this match. You could see that that gave them, you know, obviously gave them something to hang on to and, and to build on. But Outside of that, there was still a lot of, you know, we we had, it could have been a lot more. It could have been three, four, five. And I think that's probably true anytime that you 
or most of the time that you dominate possession and dominate chances, um, you know, that's, that's the nature of the beast. But I also just think that there was still a lot of signs of um, lack of confidence in, in finishing scenarios and had those, you know, especially had one of those two early goals not come, then it would feel a little different because you're playing with a single goal lead and, 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 you know, watching chance after chance, not, not put the match away. I think that two goal cushion made, made it feel a little more secure, but I still think it belied a little bit how, how poor, the team finishing was on a whole. And again, going back to James's injury, I think he just consistently sets up such high, you know, XG chances for players that, uh, you know, that you, that you will, you know, if you're not finishing well, you're not going to finish better without him out there because he's the one that sets up the best chances, you know, time and time again. Um, and, you know, as, as far as Bournemouth, I mean, I think that's just, this just, this is the team that's, going to really struggle I mean you know I, I listened to some interesting points today about Gary O'Neill becoming you know uh, the full manager rather than sort of the interim and it, it you know I, it's a that's a tough transition for somebody and I think um, yeah that's the other thing that really can't get lost in this conversation it's exciting for ch- that how Chelsea looked today but I think that you know watch what Bournemouth does over the next four or five matches too because I think that's a team that that could be heading in a really negative direction coming out of this restart, um, particularly with some of the teams around them um, look at looking, you know, having really disappointing first start to the season. I don't think it's going to get easier for them um, from here on out. Uh, Julian, it's so nice to talk to you again. It's, uh, you know, any, any other final thoughts that you have here about this Chelsea team, any thoughts that you have going forward with the schedule, um, you know, or just anything that we had, had didn't get a chance to talk about here as, as we've been apart for a little while. Well, if we're um, going to forget the man on the match, I just wanted to uh, run through that real quick. <laughs> That's no. See, you've you've helped me see Christmas comes and goes, and I've already forgotten about the man of the match. So please help help Chelsea unwrap that present and give that out. This was an opportunity I wanted to take to just give Zakaria a shout out. I didn't want to say that he was by far, he was close to being our man of the match, but one thing that I felt was really important for Jorginho specifically was just having a player that takes a little bit more of that defensive load because Jorginho was able to play slightly higher on the pitch today in relation to where he typically plays and having a player that's slightly further back from him, I think helps that helps him out there. So I appreciate Zakaria for that in itself. And I've just said, we need to find somebody that can play with Jorginho because I haven't loved the way Conte or Kovacic have for a while at this point. But then my man of the match, of course, is going to go to Mason Mount because I'm not sure that there's anybody else that had as important of a role in the entire game as Mason Mount did. He created, he helped create the first opportunity and then put away the second opportunity very well. So massive shout outs to Mason Mount. Uh, continues to be one of our most important players. Well, partly so we can spread the love around a little bit. I'll give my man of the match to Havertz uh, with a with a goal and an assist. Got Chelsea off the mark early. Um, also was composed to find the find his system to mount. Although Mount did really most of the work on that one. And again, you said it. He's he's looked like he's got a he's a little bit of a different player and he's got some real motivation coming back from the World Cup. Was not happy with the way Germany left. And so you know, hopefully we're going to get a, a re-energized Kai Havertz and he can get himself a little bit into a role. I like what you said about Zakaria. I'm glad you brought him up. Because again, I, you know, I brought up that he was a little, he, he just, he just like a little raw. He's definitely a little raw, but, but he also, what you said, I mean, to see a, a guy that has some defensive quality playing alongside Jortino, and I think particularly in front of Koulibaly and Silva today, like Zakaria, Koulibaly, Silva, that, that's, that's a, 
little more stout central area of the pitch there that can kind of let Jorginho move around and not be so worried about that central defensive duties. And again, I think you saw that today. There were, there were still moments that, you know, I don't think he's... There are other players in that of that player profile that are a lot more skilled and a lot more comfortable doing that. But they Zakaria can do something that the other midfielders we try to play along Jorginho cannot, like a Kovacic who or Gallagher, who just they're not that player profile. They're not gonna just kind of be a defensive first kind of duty. They can do some you know, they can do some sneaky, tricky, hardworking defensive stuff, but they're not just a, a, a you know, a, an effectively a defensive midfielder shielding that, that those two center backs. So I, 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 my hope, and you know, I don't know who, whether they're going to go for who, who Chelsea's going to try to sign in January, but it does really seem to me that that is the spot that they're going to try to find to fill. I think this James injury, I don't know, that might change priorities just a little bit, but I do think that, you know, Chelsea's really trying to find the player that can play alongside Jorginho, although I don't know whether that's short or long-term because we continue to hear that um, Jorginho's contract is running out and, you know, I, I just haven't heard anything real serious about about any serious renewal conversations. I'm hearing more conversations from other clubs that are interested, um, you know, if he, if he doesn't sign. So, um, yeah, lot, lots lots of excitement there. One more thing I wanted to, to note, um, and I think we should look out for in the next coming match, co- coming few matches, is you know while Chelsea were away at the World Cup, we kept hearing really really positive reports, both just back at team training, and then also in a couple of the the friendlies that the team played about Amari Hutchison, who Chelsea signed um, from from Arsenal earlier in the year, and has apparently just been impressing time and time and time again. He was on the bench today. Um, you know, I, I'm not. I I didn't think probably it wasn't wise to start him um but i but i was a little surprised especially with a two goal lead that we didn't see him get a chance particularly i thought maybe coming on for Polisic, who wasn't you know necessarily providing a lot to the match that 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 could have been a chance but uh just just something to note i'd keep an eye out for omari hutchison actually maybe getting involved a little in the first team um i know that fa cup Against City's a tough, a tough one, but man, an FA Cup that maybe Chelsea doesn't expect to win that that might be a chance to to look for him. So, um, Julian, sir, I sure thank you for for joining me again. Merry Christmas to you, sir. Yes, uh, thank you for having me as always, and uh, Merry Christmas right back to you and everybody that's listening as well. And thank you, folks, again for listening. It's great to have you all back. Great to see Chelsea playing again, and we'll be back with you before long on another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. <laughs>